What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Minna Broda podcast. I got Ryan and Tony here. Today we had the pleasure of talking to Derek Gaines. Um, he is a stand-up comic and really, really funny and really appreciated him being on. Yeah, we want to extend another thank you to Derek for coming on. We appreciate him taking the time out of his day to do that. And yeah, this episode was definitely hilarious. Our For sure our funniest one yet, so you're going to want to listen to this one. We'll roll the tape now. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Minnebroda podcast. Today we are joined by Derek Gaines. Derek is a stand-up comedian and actor. You may have seen him in The Last OG with Tracy Morgan. He's been on Will and Grace. I was in that. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good. Appreciate you being on. How you on. been? Uh... Um, oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. The Minnebroda yeah. guys. Yeah. yeah. The Minnebroda. I see what you did with Minnesota yeah. with the bros. Yeah. And all that. That's really cool. Uh yeah, I'm still on that show. If you're watching now, I'm not on it, but it's season three, but I'm not, I don't make my, I guess my return to the show until uh, the ninth episode. So I think that's June 2nd when that comes out. So it should be a good time. All right. Sure. So what exactly, what's your role on that show? Because we haven't seen it. So what exactly do you do? Well, I'm an ex-con by the name of Jay Bird living in a halfway house. And I'm one of the funny, I guess I'm one of the one fourth of the, the the camaraderie of the group dynamic is four of us. And I'm one of the four convicts. And we just have funny banter. Like we have funny fillers because Tracy lives in the house. He lives in the halfway house with us. Sure. So we're like the other, like if like, um like Annie or whatever, you know how like Annie or, or like there's an orphanage, mm-hmm. right? And there's always a funny ragtag mm-hmm. team of people in the orphanage. I'm the tall one with the curly hair that does most of the cuss work. Like, I do most of the cuss work. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You know. That's funny. So how did you uh, get that role? Say again? How'd you uh, get that role? I auditioned you... for it. And how I, and the the script I auditioned with was so ridiculous that it was so funny that I got it. But it was like, the script was so ridiculous that I was like, oh, I can get this. <laughs> I walked in, I did one take. And at the end of that one take, it was like, thanks. Two days later, it was like, yeah. We need you for that show. I was like, oh, why are you? Yeah, you know, that's that's so, funny. It was like, basically, I was like a, a prison tailor. I was a prison tailor. So Tracy Morgan's character needed a suit for a funeral. So I made him a suit. So the whole scene is me making him the suit. And after me saying everything about the suit, I did so well on the I made the suit so well that I said, Tom Ford can suck my dick, and that's how I got the role. <laughs> so you... That's exactly that's, what I that, Tom Ford can suck my dick. This was made was so that, good. Was and then that I got the, the script role. then, or was that you ad-libbed that? That was, that was the in the script. That wasn't me. That <laughs> was in the script. I said, okay. That's funny. That so is funny. That's how it all happened. But that was like, that's way after Broke-Ass Game Star. I heard, I saw that you had David yeah. on the show. That's mm-hmm. dope. Yeah, he was fun. He was fun to talk to too. He actually uh, pointed us in your direction and said we should talk to you because you're a pretty cool dude. Yeah, I'm. All, I'm not too bad. I'm <laughs> kind of a cool guy. <laughs> so uh, in the so, quarantine, just staying normal, right? Right. Yeah. So um, talking about broke ass game show. What was your? What's your like funniest memory f- from you filming it? 
There was a lot. Me and David had a good time. Me and him, me and David had a good chemistry. Like we just his comedy was it it it, it meshed well with my comedy. Mm-hmm. He's more of the happy go lucky, you know, Jew for Jesus that's very bubbly and you know optimistic and he's just he has curly hair and he says wah, 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 like, <laughs> and no he's an adorable white man. And you go, Yeah, get it. And then you have this, I guess, hip, tall, lanky, like strangely handsome. Like, I don't know why that, but it's something about him, but it's not like attractive on a on a romantic level. And he's like goofy sec like he's <laughs> He's handsome for goofy shit. Like I'm, I, I look good to do dumb shit. And then you know, I cuss a lot, and my, and uh, it, it, you can tell that my anxiety is up. And you know, I'm not, I, I don't tolerate most things. That kind of blends. And then there's game shows, and then there's, you know, stereotypical racial, st- uh, little images that people snap on me on, which is fine. Like nigga, why did I have to wear the TV around my fucking neck? Like why did I have to wear the TV? <laughs> around my neck it, it like it and there was a chain with it and i was like you know what men of broder guys i need a check so i'm gonna go all flavor flavor and wear a goddamn led flat screen tv around my neck and it and it and, it, and, and, and to contribute to pop culture do you understand <laughs> that that's what i had to, do, to contribute to pop fucking culture i had to put a goddamn tv around my neck <laughs> while my while my white friend played pat sajak and hosted the show. So sometimes I guess you have to be the muscle. <laughs> I chose to be the muscle of that show. And that's why I went for it. Dave was the brains and I was the muscle. God damn it, I missed broke ass game show. Fellas, <laughs> listen to what I'm saying to y'all right now. I'm ranty, but that was the best summer of my life. 2015 was the best summer of my life. MTV was cutting checks, nigga. It hasn't been the same since. I'm in this bar chain thinking about everything King Sweatshirt. Nigga, 2015 <laughs> was mine. They used to pick us up at Escalades every morning. They used to pick us up at Escalades. I was a goddamn venture host. That sounds pretty great. Damn, man, man. Cash cab band. We used to have drinks. We used to drink coffee together. He hosted a show, and I hosted a show. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Anyway. That sounds uh, that sounds great. You should see if uh, you guys should pitch it to YouTube and see if they'll pick it up now or something. Somebody. I mean, yeah, yeah if it, like so tied it ran up in MTV contracts, I don't know where to go. With that. Yeah, I suppose. You just change the name a little bit, still the idea. They wouldn't mind. Yeah. I'm sure you guys could get it going. <laughs> but yes. you'd have to wait till quarantine's done because no one's on the streets now. Broke ass trivia or there something like that, huh? Exactly. Uh, there you go. Or no, or or no. Frugal fun with Derek Gaines. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Tra- uh, wait, wait. Inexpensive on the street. There you go. That's pretty there good. Go. They can't sue for that. Cash. I don't know. It's perfect. Yes. So, are you in New York right now? Because I read that's where you live. Is that where you are now? I, and right now I'm in Jersey at my mother's house, laying low from the COVID. So, uh, I've been here for the last seven weeks. This is this is insane. I feel like I'm in high school again. And it's just like. Uh, but yeah, I live in uh, New York. I live in Brooklyn. So were you there when it got really bad, or did you get out before it got terrible? I was in L.A. when stuff started shutting down. Okay. And I, my mom didn't want me to fly back to New York because New York turned into, you know, ground zero with, with the with the disease. Right. So it was mm-hmm. like, that's where the plague is at. So I just flew to Philly and then drove 20 minutes out of Philly to 
before I live out in South Jersey, and I, it's fine down here. It's a nice day. Birds are chirping. Leaves are growing. That's good. Everybody's wearing masks. It's weird, but, you know, this happened. Yeah, it is weird. Mm-hmm. Okay, y'all good? Y'all staying well? Yeah, so far. Yeah, so it's good. not too bad out here. I mean, people are wearing masks and all that. Things are still shut down, but our family's been un, un, uh, unfazed pretty much so far. Mm-hmm. Work. It's good. Yeah. What were you doing in uh, L.A.? I was trying to get another TV show. I was out there auditioning for TV shows on the the uh, the soulless pilot season. You know, you go out there, try to land another TV show, sitcom, try to get another job, land something big. And, you know, I got a lot of stuff coming up this year, so I figured let me let me ride off that energy. Right, it's what that's what you do. That's just the, the show business. Ride off energy and wish to hope and go back out there and try to land another gig, man. Yeah. But um. Mm-hmm. Writing was weird, and then the COVID happened, so studios start shutting down, auditions start shutting down, so I left. You know. So, for for someone this year has been a doozy so far. Yeah, for sure. So for someone who who isn't in the showbiz world at all, so you're like on the show or on a show, and then your agent or manager says, "Hey, got another audition for you." You just go and audition for it and and see what turns up, or like, how does that work? Yeah, basically they scout your agent scout something that would suit your character okay. or or your look or whatever or your expertise. So they'll put you out on comedy movies or dramas that you they, they you know they think you can act in sure. based on what you've done. You know, and have you audition for you know whatever's going on in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So they'll be like, here's the email. You read over the audition. You think it's good. You go in and meet with the casting director or the assistant that's working for the casting director. And you go in and audition a little because they give you a piece of the movie or the, the show. Mm-hmm. They call it sides, mm-hmm. and you read it, try to memorize it, get get your lines down, and then they read it with you in that room in front of a camera. And then, you know, if you're good, they call you back in. If you're good again, they call you in one more time. And if you're good, you get the part. So it's like a it's like a three four step process. And thank God there's no couch. <laughs> and no, <laughs> you know. And no janky motherfucker wearing a suit because it turns because it because it, it sounds like it can go porno real fast, but Hollywood is a little bit more elegant, so it's never that. It's just thank you, no, you do good, or <laughs> next time, or so, sorry, or or you got the part, but it's never goofy. That's the other side of LA that I've never been on. To. I've been I've never been there. I don't do that shit. Yeah, so that's sort of how it go. Makes sense. So yeah. you're in a. Pete Davidson's new movie, right? That's directed That's, by Judd Apatow. Somebody's doing research. <laughs> guys. Yeah, I'm in um I'm in uh King of Staten Island. It comes out June twelfth on TV. Like the on demand rent by since uh COVID killed the theaters. Pete made the smart move. Him and Judd made the smart move to just put it out so people can rent at home. So yeah. June twelfth. June twelfth. Okay. What kind of role do you have in that one? I play um he plays a busboy at this restaurant. So I play the other busboy okay. named okay. Suits. And me and him, like, I give him advice on how to work at the restaurant. And, you uh, and Pete? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. So, yeah. Um, so Pete is the other one busboy, and I'm the other one. This is just one part of the movie, and I don't want to give too much away. But, yeah, me and him are – we work in the same restaurant together, and uh, me and him have antics throughout it, the, the all the scenes that he worked at the Italian restaurant. So you'll see some funny stuff go because it's a comedy. So it's some funny things that me, mm-hmm. 
and people go through the scenes are very, 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 uh, I want to say classic. There's a lot of classic, like, that's a classic Judd Apatow scene. Or, like, that's mm-hmm. a classic, oh, I see how that building and grew and buttoned out joke. It's a lot of good jokes in it. It's uh, But at the same time, it can be kind of dramatic. So I, I, I hope the audience gets that feel for the, dr- the drama and the comedy together. Sure. Dramedy, as some people call it. And, yeah, it should be great. So that comes out June 1st. Sweet. So did you get to uh, hang out with uh, Pete at all, Offset a lot, or no? Yeah, absolutely. He's my buddy. Me and him were roommates back when I was uh, when I was twenty nine and he was nineteen. Really? Was like we had like a ten year gap dy- dynamic, but we we wound up being friends. It's my buddy. Huh. He's a very smart dude. Very very smart. Dude. Oh, yeah. His uh, um, new Netflix special I thought was hilarious. Yeah. That uh, when he was talking about Ariana Grande, I was just losing it. Oh yeah, everybody was. Every city we went to, <laughs> that's all they wanted to hear. That's all they wanted to know about. And he finally did it. That's funny. He's, he's a hero. He did it. And his explanation for it was great. So I was like, I commend it. Team Pete all the way. I'm glad how and how he spoke of her wasn't even disrespectful. It mm-hmm. kind of bigged her up in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. So I don't I don't know Pete like much of him his history or background at all. Was nineteen mm-hmm. when did he start doing SNL? Uh I think he was like 20. So were you guys living together then when he was doing that? Yeah. yeah I remember when he got it. Did you ever get a... I remember when he auditioned for it. And then I remember the, the call when he got it. It was cool. He like broke history that night because he was like the second... He was like younger than Eddie Murphy. Right. So... Huh. That's cool. Yeah. Or as young as Eddie Murphy. Like one... Some special thing about that. But yeah, that's sure. how... So were you guys together then when he was with Ariana Grande? No. Nah, we, we, we've been friends the whole time. Sure. It was always just updates and just um, but I moved out of I moved out of the crib like I got my own spot like when was, he was nineteen I was twenty nine like two years later I moved out okay so and he went on to go do whatever he did and I went on to broke ass game show I went on and did the other stuff so we we parted only because we both succeeded sure and so but we've always been homies that makes sense. but no I was up I was uh I was around when he got back to New York after they broke up. I remember huh. like the first day he touched down back down New York. That was a cool. That was a cool day. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually pretty funny. He was cruising around the city and did not nobody know it was him. It was it was pretty funny. It was huh. some superhero shit. It was dope. <laughs> He's like, don't yeah. tell nobody I'm back, and he just peeled out. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, when did you start doing stand up comedy? Was that when you were younger? I started. Well, I'm 35 now. Well, the young people watching, yeah, I'm an old guy. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Very old. I'm 35, and I'm like a, I'm like a new age 35. So you know, everything's sped up. So I'm really like 47 <laughs> to like young motherfuckers. But it's like, but I started doing comedy when I was uh, 19. Okay. Back in 03. Yeah. So, and I started in the mean streets of Philadelphia. And then five years after that, I moved to New York to become to become more witty and more smart with it, or you know, more um, just universal to 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 touch a bigger audience, to transcend, if you will. Didn't Kevin Hart start in Philly crossover. too? Yeah, he did. I was there. I started when he was about to leave, so therefore okay. he already blew up a little bit with Soul Plane, sure, Paper Soldier. 
So I was like coming in 03 doing the open mics and he was like the guy that was like the dude that was like going pop. Yeah. Then he popped. Right. Did you ever get a meet him? So how do before he left? Yeah. I used, he was cool. Kev, I used to be able to run I was in his um first entourage. Really? Like his first one, like before he like before like when he was only getting like six, seven thousand a show. Sure. Like this is when like he was just he was he was killing. But it was still on some small time killing. Like he was just, we was go to the, like colleges out in like East East Jablit, PA, and he'd fill out the gymnasium and we do those shows. And I'd run with him through there. And then um, as I got older, in comedy, I used to. He still recognized me, of course. So he like let me in to like Caroline's. This is right before um, his second special came out. Right. This is before his second one came out. And uh, I was at Caroline's and I was able to chill. You know, back there with uh, him and the gang. Them, he was a star then. That's awesome. Like it was always some like superstar stuff. Like it was always girls back there. They always had like a PlayStation Four set up. It was always playing 2K. <laughs> there was food that wasn't on the menu. Like there was food I didn't even know Caroline's made was there. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, we had this. You know, we had this. You know, called in because he's cat. Like so, he's always been a. You know, he's always been that dude. That's cool. It's a, it's a it's a it's a superstar lifestyle. You just go oh oh, and I'm just in an entourage. Oh right. snap! I got my little <laughs> shitty three hundred dollar leather jacket on, thinking I'm killing him. Kevin's out here signing deals, <laughs> making movies, and I'm like oh no, models is coming back to the uh, they coming back and forth out the green room and shit. It's wild. I see just bad bitches drinking Gatorade because Kev just made them drink Gatorade. It was weird. Like hey, bring a bucket of Gatorade back here. He didn't bring alcohol. He made them drink Gatorade. That's what made it so cool. Like, yo, you ever seen a Victoria's Secret model just chugging Gatorade because of what else to drink? It was just it was wild. It was wild time. <laughs> the bottle was bigger than a hand. It was just weird. A little hand was around that Gatorade bottle. It was but no, fun times. Kev has been Kev for a while. So that sounds That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. So when you're starting out and you're trying to get open mics, do you just like talk to clubs and say like, "Can I come in and well, do a show?" Or what do you do? What happened was it was a sign-up sheet when I first started Philly, and you had to wait okay. and sign up sheet. So a bunch of eager new comedians would get in line to sign up for open mic. It was only taking like forty slots at first, and after forty, it turned to thirty. After thirty, it turned to twenty-five, and twenty-five was the cutoff. So the line started getting longer. But then you had to get there earlier in order to get a good spot in line. So it was just a mad, it was a mad dash. It was a food line. It was like a chow line at first. Because niggas was hungry. Everybody was hungry to be funny. And they always, everybody thought they had something to say. And I was one of them people. I'm not, I'm not above that. And, um, um, and then, you know, you start cooking at open mics. That's, that's how you got your notoriety. It was all about can you kill every week. Basically, in Philly... It was just about consistency. All right, you funny one week, but what you going to do next week? So next week, the smart thing to do was do what you already did but make it better. Because a lot of dudes would just keep switching up and bomb every week. So I had a different idea. I was like, no, let me tighten up. So every week I started getting live, ringing live. So that I did that for like two years straight. And then the owner started to realize, oh, okay, this dude really wanted. So he let me host. Then I started hosting shows on the weekend. And I started getting weekend money. And then after hosting, turned to featuring, featured for a long time, then feature turned into headlining. So that's the, but it's just all through time how bad you want it. It's just about being consistently funny, and um, especially in urban clubs, 
because I started in Urban Club, I started in Black Club. So you got to be funny quick, and you got to be funny a lot. <laughs> so, and that was the build up, and that just built the muscle up to go to New York, because over there that was different. Like I had to bark in shows, and then I wound up just hosting open mics and letting the other comics get their little five, little six, little ten minutes off, and I would just come in between each comic and you know just bring one more joke to the table, bring one more joke to the table. So it was just trial by doing, and then um, you know you try by doing enough, and you start getting funny. People notice. And you start hosting shows and doing shows and you in clubs and you doing spots and you closing clubs. It's it's just, it's build up. You just got to keep at it. This is going to be a bunch of bullshit at first. It's like comedy is basically, think of it as like two nice pieces of bread, right? Think of it as sweet Hawaiian, right? Sweet, Minnebrota guys. Sweet Hawaiian bread, right? (laughs) The top and bottom. But in the middle is a big old hunk of shit, all right? Big old (laughs) hunk of shit. So that's what they give you. Bread's good. But the middle is whack. So you eat <laughs> shit for a little while. And then after a while, they go, oh, take the shit off your bread, man. You better than that, right? You better than that. You're funny now. Take the shit off your bread. And then you got just two pieces of bread with, like, shit stains on it, right? <laughs> and then it's shit stained bread for a little while. And then after a while, when you do that, they take those two pieces of bread away. And then they give you uh, one piece of bread, but it's a good piece of bread. It's one. Don't give you two. Give you one. <laughs> And they make you work with that for a little while, and then they might help you out after that. So it's a shit sandwich, then a shit stain sandwich, and then a good piece of bread. That's quite the analogy. It's <laughs> a good analogy. <laughs> That's and then so it gets better after that. Then you go, then you stop eating bread, <laughs> and you start eating vegetables and, and meats and steaks, and they start giving you, like, you know, they cater, and it gets better. But yeah, start at the bottom, and then you rise up. So from your first open mic to like your first headlining show, how long was that? At that one club, let's say from open mic to club, six years. Wow, six years to laugh house. It did. I think it took me six years at the laugh house to do that. That's some grinding. That is a grind. Yeah, uh, a lot of featuring, but a lot of jumping back and forth. Because the first five years, I didn't really go anywhere. I just stayed in Philly. And then after that, because within that first five years, I think the last two years of that five, I started visiting New York. Okay. But I didn't move until year six. And in year six, I went out and I became, because I loved it, man. I still do. That's why I'm still doing it. Even in the, even in the COVID, doing Zoom shows and just trying to talk shit to two or three people. It's kind of how it started. So it's like, I'm not really too far off. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's a withdrawal because it's bad because I've done theaters and all that. But I used to start with you know just talking to my friends, two or three people at a table, and making them laugh. So to go backwards is kind of refreshing. It's almost nostalgic. You go, all right, I don't want to go crazy in this uh, quarantine, but you know sure. I'm glad I'm able to talk to a few people uh-huh. with the things yeah. that I got on top of my brain. But yeah, so yeah, it's a good time. It makes sense. It's cool. So what's like the biggest crowd that you've ever performed for? Mm, business crowd, blam, blam, blah, blam. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> because it's it's subject, it's subjective. Like like Pete does well on the road. I go with him on the road and tour, so he gets big crowds. But I don't really remember the number. Sure. I just kind of remember the money. <laughs> the more the money was, the crowd was. That's right? fair. I know. Yeah, that must have been a big crowd. Cause this is big. This is big, not a cash. So, yeah, or I've done uh, 
stand-up on TV that reaches a lot of numbers. Mm-hmm. So I can't really say. They're out there. There's still another crowd yet. There's still a bigger crowd I have yet to do. Sure. Mm-hmm. I know that's out there. I look forward to an even bigger crowd when when we can make crowds again. Right. Yeah. 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 What's your uh, favorite city to perform in other than Philly? D.C. Or New York. D.C.? New York and D.C. Washington, D.C. is the jam. Why? That's Why is a family that? town right there. D.C. is my place. I love D.C. Why is that? Because they're just raucous crowds. Like, they just, they laugh at everything that's inappropriate, politically incorrect. They like the black guy, that they love the black dude's perspective. The angry <laughs> black man's perspective is appreciated in D.C. Uh, they like, um, they like dirty jokes. They like, uh, Jokes about Trump, you know, jokes about the government. And they sure. go, yeah, right. bring it on. Tell us about ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> they be like, tell us. We like that. Punish us with the truth. <laughs> yes. We are Washington, D.C. D.C. is us. Whip us good. Yeah. Like I said. <laughs> was it, were you there when Obama was in office? Was it like the same way still? Uh was that there when Obama was over? I think I was around there when Obama was still president. Yeah, absolutely. It's still fun. Crowds are still great. I've been doing DC a little while. Sure. The crowds are good. It's yeah, I've never had a problem in DC. Yeah, that is interesting. So it's, let's hold it down. Let's do this thing. Yeah, DC. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever done any uh, Minneapolis shows? Minneapolis. In Minneapolis. I believe I have. I did a. I did a casino in um, Indian Reserve country two hours away from Minneapolis. Probably Grand and Casino think, in Hinkley. I think I might have did Minneapolis with Pete once or twice. We did so many cities last year. It was all blur. Blur together? Yeah, because we just hopping on planes, jumping to the next city. Fair enough. Oh, we here. We in some hotel for a half a day, do the show, leave, be at the airport in the morning. So it's like... There's no time to enjoy anything. You just jump, jump, jump. Matter of fact, I think he shot his uh, he shot his first attempt at a special in Minnesota. Really, really, I did not know that. Yeah, that is interesting. And then shot the, shot the one he liked in New York, the one you saw in New York. But he shot okay. it first time in uh, in Minnesota. Huh. Interesting. So when you're touring with him, what'd you say? I forgot the theater. Oh, but uh, yeah. When you're uh, touring with him, do you like what do you do? Do you open for him or what kind of? I'm one of his openers. There's a bunch, a bunch of us. It's um, it's all funny dudes. It's Jordan Rock, it's Nico White, it's Ricky Belez, it's me. It's uh sometimes it'll be uh Chris Red sometimes going to roll with us. Uh, John Mulaney's stopped by a few times. Like you know, people mm-hmm. drop, and then Pete come out last. But Pete's star, so you know he put up anyway. But um, everybody's funny. That's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julio Gallerati be on, uh, uh, Dave Cyrus, he the one that wrote the movie. Um, uh, who else? Carly Aquilino's on the road with her sometimes. She's from Girl Code. Man, Guy Code. But, you know, you know, his people. Bunch of funny moles. So, yeah, it's always a cool, always a cool time. Mm-hmm. What are some, uh, or who are some comedians you say you would look up to or, like, kind of model yourself after? Well, I guess your influences. Well, well, um, 
You ever heard of Prince? Like Michael Jackson, Prince? Mm-hmm. Prince. I've never heard of him, yes. Well, my <laughs> Prince is Dave Chappelle. Okay. Yeah. So I go, all right, that's who I, that's who I go, that he's the greatest. I just go, he's mm-hmm. the greatest. I just, I don't understand Dave Chappelle's whimsy and wit on a microphone. It's just a phenomenal display of comedy genius. And you just go, will I ever be that good? I don't know. <laughs> but that's one. And then Patrice O'Neill is like a mentor to me, in a sense. He's the one that kind of made me see the the more jagged side of comedy, like the raw stuff, the the brutal stuff, the the stuff that makes people oh, <laughs> and maybe, oh or it's like you want to don't you laugh at it, but you don't want to laugh at it, but you gotta laugh at it type <laughs> for truth. And then um. Chris Rock, I like I like his stage presence. Kevin Hart, I like his uh, I like his work, I like his work ethic, and then um, and of course that's all embodied in my love for Richard Pryor. So therefore, take all those comics, put it in a box, and the box is Richard Pryor. So I love the box and what's in the box. So those guys, and then just what I just think of the the, the dynamics that comedy had on me coming up as a kid, and why I love it so much, like. When I when I was uh, when I was in the womb, my mom used to watch Delirious with Eddie Murphy. You know how they say if you play classical music while you're pregnant, that you the baby will come out, you know, smart or whatever. So <laughs> I came out listening to vulgar Delirious comedy by Eddie Murphy. <laughs> but that's one. When I was ten, I was doing stand up at the the summer camp talent shows, just doing jokes that my buddies had told me in school, mm-hmm. and I just made them extra like dirty and I timed them out right to make it like a performance. Right. And then when I was 15, no rewind. When I was 14, my mom and my pop were just these two people that just let me watch anything. So if it was cussing it, I was still watching it. So at 14, imagine me, I'm a young man who sees Chris rocks bigger and blacker for the first time. (laughs) Then I turn 15 and I see Dave Chappelle's killing him softly for the same time. At the, at, 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 for the first time and then when that summer Kings of Comedy comes out and that's Theo Hughley, Cedric, Bernie and Steve Harvey and that movie was nuts so them three years I think is what started to make me go what the hell is this stuff right. and how are these guys doing I want to do something like that but I just don't know how so I just watched a lot of Def Jam and I used to just go to school and snap on everybody and tease and ripped down, but not like teasing ripped down, but I was only teasing ripped down people that were teasing and ripping down. So it was like, all right, if I want to be a wolf, I got to play with wolves. So it was like, that was that kind of thing. And then, um, and then swag and then, and just trying to learn how to talk to people all together and just trying to be a lingual guy. You know, I was, I was defending my classmates in a homeroom from our evil uh, homeroom teacher. So I'd start snapping on the homeroom teacher and I'd get like Saturday detentions, but it all in the name of comedy. Like, so, so my favorite to those guys and the way I came up, like I like to think they're just the people like in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. like the, the Lamonts, the dudes that just crack on you on, on your outfit on the school bus. Like those guys, they, they the one that kind of made spark this fire. Mm-hmm. To, to talk trash back because my mom didn't want me fighting because I get expelled and then I'd be grounded for the rest of my life. So I was like, all right, I got to figure out something to do. <laughs> so I started talking shit. 
<laughs> it worked out. Just ran from it with their. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. Have you ever had a time where you've like completely bombed a show and just no Absolutely. one's funny at all? What, what Absolutely. Time awkward is times that? And times. Uh, I bombed in Camden once. I got like Camden, New Jersey. I don't know if you know it's a very terrible place. <laughs> it's, it's, it's 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 starting to gentrify. They're starting to really mop the floor and push out all the dirt and move in. And not dirt as in people. I'm talking about dirt as in actual just the ground. Just the ground is rotten. <laughs> Camden just needs to be revamped. Anyway, I bombed in this place called the Walt Women's Center in Camden once. It was so bad, I was getting pennies thrown at me from the balcony. So I didn't know, I didn't see them coming. And I was pretty bad. Um, I bombed on a boat once. I bombed on a, on a, on a, on a birthday boat and had to stay on the boat until they <laughs> docked. Tough. So That's it was rough. like I had to bomb. I ate my little dinner. They asked me for half my money back. I said, you're out of your mind because you set me up to fail anyway. Because <laughs> it was like a birthday party. It was a birthday party, fellas. Men of Broda. It was a birthday party. And everybody there was family. And then I'm just some strange dude that's not in costume with everybody because everybody else had white. Everybody, it was a theme party. Everybody had white and silver on. My black ass had a orange polo shirt <laughs> <laughs> With a pair of ratty ass <laughs> jeans and some skater shoes. I had some, I had some dunks on. And I'm just in there like, yeah, I'm just trying to get this couple of dollars to do this thing. Right? So they all dancing, having a good time. Then the DJ goes, yeah, turns the music off again. We got some comedy dude trying to tell jokes downstairs. Sorry, I got to cut the party off. So everybody got an attitude. So everybody got an attitude going downstairs. They're not even looking at me. So they eating their cake, acting I'm like I'm not up there. I'm up there just bombing. <laughs> No jokes is working. They did a countdown because at the end of it, I was like, you know what? I still got three minutes left. And the birthday girl herself was like, ready for this? I'm sorry, fellas. This just what she said. She's like, nah, nigga, you only got 10 seconds left. And the whole family went, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And then one of the cousins was like, get your corny ass off the stage, right? We had a party. That's what he said. And then I went upstairs, and they was mad at me. And I ate some food. And then, thank God, I'm kind of a handsome guy. One of the girls that saw me bomb was like, you still cute, though. Let's do the electric slide together. And then as soon as we did the electric slide, the boat was coming back to shore. And I got my money, and I got up out of there. But it was a bomb. It was a bomb. That's, uh... It was a bomb on the water. You don't know, bomb stage one thing. Or bombing on stage in the water in a floaty situation where you just can't leave. I can't swim back. I can't swim back. That's the Delaware. It ain't number crack needles, crack needles, four eyed fish in those waters. That's tough. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. You heard what I just said, man, brother. I can't swim in that water. That's the Delaware. It ain't number crack needles, four eyed fish in those waters. I say it one more time. You don't laugh at that shit. <laughs> Quack water, nigga. Quack water. What you know about quack water? (laughs) (laughs) Having a good time. It's a nice day. (laughs) Quack water. That's where I come from. Big old waves of crack come on to the... (laughs) Crack needles stabbing kids in the head as a tidal wave of crack water. This comes in off the shores of Philadelphia. Anyway. <laughs> Fellas, you should cut all this out. 
This is so silly. A tidal wave of crack needles in the water. That's what we like. The day after tomorrow, crack addiction. Crack addiction. Crack. I'm sorry. So I'm done. I am finished. Go on. Next question. Let's be professionals here. You got a nice mic with a fucking uh, spit screen cover over it. You in the studio. I'm messing with pros right now. Men of Broda guys. Men of Brodas. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. You're good. Uh, what's been your favorite joke you've ever written over these past your career? Um, I guess my signature joke is um, just this song about uh, about commercials. About biscuit commercials between white families and black families. Yeah, and uh, I've seen that one. Goofy ass song. Everybody, everybody, this is what I'm known for. It's like what I'm known for in the streets. It's like my stand up go to song, joke, whatever. And it's always it's just about how when white families eat dinner, you know, there's always fruits and garlands and the nickel and the the Disney channels on, and (laughs) you know, everything comes down to a crawl. It's a big old table with. There's a turkey stuffed with love and Care Bears and all that bullshit. And then it's just, uh, and then, um, the, you know, the kids are riding bareback with golden retriever puppies with Nutella smeared all over their face. Just some stereotypical <laughs> white delusional setup, right? Yeah. And then the inverse, fellas, it's just, I go, why can't the black family have what white family got? Like, they always get the cool shit, but we always outside with trench coats on. You know, warming our hands up over a barrel fire, singing goddamn songs and shit. You know, it don't even be like it'd be a porch we singing on, but ain't no house connected to the porch. It's just a porch in the middle of fucking wasteland. That's what it is. That's what it was. And, I always, <laughs> and then there's always like a song playing because uh 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 because uh uh food commercials think just black people don't understand song don't understand like commercials without songs playing in the background. So I'm teasing the fact that this is what we're viewed at. So I go, you ever notice the song that that's being sung is always kind of racist when it's a black family eating food. And I just go, everybody's happy that mama done made them biscuit. And the baby's gonna have himself a biscuit today. It just, uh, <laughs> and it just runs forever. <laughs> and I change it up. There's remixes. There's a band. Girls come out in poles and garland. It's, 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 it's just a lot. <laughs> So when you're telling that one, everybody's happy that mama done made. And I have to be honest with you, I kind of don't like the song anymore. <laughs> but it's so funny. I hate the, it's kind of fun. I go, yeah, it's the, I see why people still laugh at it. Because then I remix it with everybody's happy that daddy done. No, daddy stopped beating mama and the baby ain't gonna see domestic violence this year. <laughs> that one. What? <laughs> and they go, huh? And I go, what? And I go, everybody's happy that Nana done stop women. I go, mama's off them narcotics and the baby's gonna have some drug-free breast milk today. Drug-free breast milk gets them every time. Drug-free breast milk gets the crowd every time. Corrupted breast milk? How can we do this? No, this is not how commercials work. It's exaggerated fun. And I can go on and on. I can make remixes about it forever. And people laugh and have a good time. They give me money and, and chicken tenders, and it's a fun time. <laughs> so that's one of my favorite jokes. Is that one, and I got this one about. Oh, since uh, since we're in the, since we're on a, um, a podcast, I don't know who listens. I got a comedy album out on iTunes right now called uh, Fuck Boy Ground Zero," and it's just okay. about being dating in New York City as a single man. 
and it's just an hour of silly, debaucherous jokes about uh, women and rendezvous and dating in New York City. It's a pretty cool time. <laughs> Fuckboy Ground Zero, F-U-C-C-B-O-I Ground Zero, fellas. I always wanted Minnesota people to to, to listen to some, some raucous New York comedy, so that's what you can do. <laughs> we'll make sure to put that if down in the description. For the Minnesota guys, fan base listening. <laughs> Fuckboy Ground Zero on iTunes right now. We'll plug it. Sweet. Ryan, right. do you have any uh, more questions for him? I, uh, it's, good. it's a good little interview, fella. Yeah, appreciate you, bro. I don't think I have Thanks anything. Thanks for coming on, yeah, man. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. I'm sorry I'm late. I'm sorry I'm late. It's no, still no problem. Worries, I was no. out joyriding. <laughs> I was out joyriding, listening to hip-hop, huh? Swerving, right? <laughs> Remember Joker on the Batman? I was. I had my head out the back seat. I had my head out the back window, shaking my head. Perfect. Yeah. Enjoy the day. Yeah, thank you once again, Mr. Gaines, for being on with us today. A great time. Very, very funny guy. Uh, We're going to pause for a quick break, and then Tony and I will be back to wrap things up. Thanks one last time to Derek for coming on the show. We really appreciate his time. Uh, Awesome guy. Hilarious guy. Go check out all of his stuff mentioned in the episode. It'll be listed below. And thank you to you guys for listening. Yeah, thanks uh, once again, Derek. Really appreciate you being on. Uh, Very, very funny guy. Like Tony said, check everything out below. Uh, We'll be back with the next one. Peace. Peace.